trolling, trolling for ten baggers. Trolling, trolling for ten baggers. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. You're here with Joel and Sam. We're here to talk about finding 10 baggers. That's a stop that's gone up 10 times. There isn't much out there about how you find a 10 bagger, so we chat to people who've found them before. In the show, we talk to all sorts of guests about all sorts of different things, but just remember that nothing included is advice. Make sure to speak with a professional advisor about your own circumstances before making any financial or investment decisions. Hi and welcome to the show. This is a special episode that includes part of a conversation we had with David Blake from BioShares. It's just a small part of a much longer conversation which will be released as an episode shortly. Given the topicalness though, we wanted to get this conversation out as soon as possible. Make sure you keep your ear out though for a future episode where we have a much longer conversation with David about all things life sciences and biotech. The discussion was recorded on Thursday the 12th of March 2020. The world markets were volatile for the weeks prior and they've continued to do so since. Without any further ado, here's the discussion we had. So David, what do you think will be some of the more immediate impacts perhaps of the coronavirus on the biotech and um, healthcare sector in Australia? In a, in a way, this is, um, this is where biotech should shine because um, this is what biotech is all about. It's about um, healthcare, it's about attending to unmet need and it's about... Um, you know, make, making sure all, all the products and services that healthcare, uh, I mean, life science companies do are about providing certainty um, in, in, in the world when it comes to um, infection, um, uh, you know, or even a broken arm. You know, what happens if you break an arm? You know, do you have to go to an apothecary down the road who will fix it for you or do you actually get it treated, x-rayed? fixed up or if somebody starts coughing some blood, what happens? You know, it's all about contributing better ways to um, um, help people who are sick or who have got a disease or who have suffered an injury. So uh, the SARS-CoV-2, that's the specific coronavirus that causes the disease which has been designated COVID-19. The terminology is very important because SARS-CoV-2 is um, similar to SARS-CoV, which was the initial uh, one that most people uh, will have been familiar with. And it's a, um, another version of that, but this time it's um, more deadly and it, and it, it really is a, um, an unwelcome um, uh, guest that's going to be inhabiting the planet for now on, um, it seems. That's got a lot of implications for this, uh, the life sciences sector because it's exposed um, uh, issues within the world's um, healthcare systems and provision of, the provision of drugs and devices and lots of things. Um, we weren't quite as ready for it because a lot of the focus on the next, if you like, big um, pandemic has been to do with influenza. Um, but nobody really thought that um, uh, a coronavirus would jump out and um, do what it's doing to create um, maybe the worst um, 
economic event since 1929. That's my view. Uh, it's just going to wreak havoc and we will see, though, through that, lots of opportunities for life science companies. There'll be new, um, in time, some really new interesting companies spring up. One area that's suddenly uh, become pretty relevant is telemedicine. Um, so a company called Resap Health, which actually had some not so good news today. They had a setback from the FDA. They'd put it in a um, submission with them and the FDA said, no, not good enough, guys. You'll have to try again. Um, they have a telephone, a mobile phone-based diagnostic for diagnosing cough uh, as it's associated with a number of conditions. But that's a perfect thing that has to fit into, you know, the next generation healthcare system where we go less and less to a specific uh, uh, medical clinic and the interactions we can have with those uh, clinicians is done uh, remotely. And, you know, strange as it may seem, the Australian government said now we'll have a Medicare code for remote consultations. I don't know the precise code and the precise um, service, but that's more of the future. So anything that was happening in telemedicine, and we've actually got a big history of telemedicine in Australia um, going back decades, um, just done in a different way, you know, over radio and what have you for people in remote communities. But um, telemedicine is about actually necessarily also having a consult with a clinic that could be five doors down and that's a that's a big deal that's that's good news so i'm expecting lots more telemedicine opportunities to come into play in the um in the future and maybe just for a bit more context are you able to give a bit of a sort of high level description of what the covid19 virus is and um yeah some a bit of a summary for listeners well a coronavirus well it, it, it's a um it's got its particular Definition is a particular type of virus. It's a an RNA virus um, which is capable of being um, um, transmitted from person to person. Um, this one is believed to be uh, originate from animals. They there are ones that um, do exist in humans. There are ones that exist in in um, you know pigs, etc. But this one has um, uh, it seems crossed over from bats. Um, and uh, it's 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 why it's a problem as as a virus is it because it can cause respiratory distress or respiratory illness so it can uh, get into your lungs where they can create um, huge amounts of inflammation that can lead to pneumonia and pneumonia is where the uh, sacs in the lung fill up with fluid and that you know that means you can't breathe so therefore you die that's um terrifically not a good situation to be in so uh influenza i think in para influenza these are other viruses that can do the same type of things in humans where they can um cause pneumonia 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 is what you end up dying from um principally um your lungs pack it in because inflammation is uh, concentrated in the lungs and it's that's why you have to provide ventilation to uh, people who have um, this type of infection where the lungs are not working maybe you can come back from that sometimes it's just not possible but a a drug that could um you know uh 
stop the virus reproducing, um, inhibit its, um, you know, wind back its uh, presence in the body. It means you could wind back the infection, allow other things in the body to um, come in and fight it. Sometimes you, you might need, like you can typically need multiple medications, I think, to um, manage somebody who's that sick with um, pneumonia. So, yeah, okay. And so from a diagnostic point of view, because it is sort of similar to other strains, that the diagnosing technique is a, a well-known process at the moment then, I gather? or uh, the, Look, I think the di- diagnosing infection with the virus is one thing. You can do a swab and then you can do a PCR test and probably pretty rapidly say you've got it. Um, but then, then you want to, then you have to say, well, there's really nothing much you can do. Um, it's uh, except to carefully monitor. There's probably some medications at the moment you can give to help people who've got it. And there's really no, there's no cure for it at the moment. There's nothing you can give somebody to say, there's nothing you can definitively give them. And the thing is that around the world, a lot of things are being trialled and tested officially and probably not officially to see whether that inhibits the virus and reduces its um, burden in the body. Um, so, but the, the diagnosis of it is easy-ish to do. The diagnosis of pneumonia is easy-ish to do. Um, but the therapeutic options are not yet confirmed or established, let alone worked out into uh, being able to be manufactured in volume. That's the big problem. And a vaccine, uh, you'll hear talk of people saying, well, we've got a vaccine. Well, that's meaningless and you can, unless you can make it in the right volume. Okay. We'll, we might ask you at the end, David, for some for one of your nominated 10-bagger uh, picks, but... I guess how should investors, um, how should they be positioning themselves? I mean, what should they be looking for? I can appreciate it's just so volatile at the moment that it's very difficult to, to see past the next day or so, but how can we arm investors? Well, I don't think you need to be in the big um, healthcare, what I call protective security stocks, um, which is where everybody went to because they thought they were better than a bank and better than a, um, I mean, better than the bank to put your money in and better than a bank to invest in and then better than a commodity stock, better than everything else. I'm talking about the CSL and those other ones. They, they just became so overpriced. They're going to become good buying again in a while. Uh, when they'll get back to PEs below 30, um, they'll be good buying. CSL is a really, really good company that does lots of things really, really well. It's just been very, very, very top of recent times. But because there hasn't been anywhere else to go, you know, um, so it's the companies, the companies that interest me are the ones that actually have a foothold in, say, what I call um, relevant capabilities. That's to do with manufacturing of drugs um, or to do with uh, a, an expertise in, say, um, developing anti-infectives. Um, there's just not many of them in Australia. There's just a couple, really. And they are neglected and underpriced at the moment in a sense, but, you know, they could, that could all change. Um, there's not... Um, the, real, the real keynote idea for investing in this sector at the moment is to think about capability, you know. Is the stock, as, as it relates to the company, is this a stock that has got a capability for addressing the needs that have emerged in recent times? So can it, you know, do they provide information tools, diagnostics um, or medical equipment? 
medical equipment, say masks and you know um, ventilation um, products, they're probably going to be all that'll all be stitched up by lots of other companies around the world. But there's a real need for companies that can say uh, bring in a new say therapeutic product, a new anti anti-infective and antiviral drug. Um, and we do have one company uh, really that just has that at the moment. So, so David, is if for your mind front and centre? I mean, you've you've mentioned off, you know, the fact that there's people that are selling uh, sanitizers, masks, developing drugs, um, the actual manufacturing of drugs, detection equipment, stuff like that, and and the likes of respiratory. It given what you've just mentioned, pneumonia and what have you, is that a section that you think investors or people should be looking at? Is that where your preference is? Um, yeah, look, if somebody came along with um, improved ways to um, provide ventilation, that's important. Um, even masks, that could be, you know, protective clothing, protective equipment, infection control, that could still matter. Um, you know, there's, there's the demand for it is probably going to still be pretty strong for a long time around the world. I mean, this will be with us. Um, it's it's really not started as much as you know you might think it's got to Europe and Italy, but really there's a lot of other countries where we have not seen it work its way. I mean, what about South America? What about Indonesia? What about India? What about Africa? What about Syria? What about every uh, refugee camp around the globe? Um, what about every destitute community in, in every slum area of every city around the world? Um, uh, they you know that's Things can change seasonally, but the thing is that that's why it can be out there spreading. It'll blow up. There'll be uh, uh, it'll move from back from being a pandemic to being an epidemic in, in an area. Um, you know, so you can do things when you need to, when you can want to manage, say, a um, quadrant of a uh, a city and quarantine. You know, one million people, you can do it, but you'll still um, you could still use a more rapid um, cheaper diagnostic that can tell you very quickly so to help you introduce um, better um, you know better methods of managing its transmission because the real big thing at the moment is to slow down its transmission so that um, therapeutic products can be evaluated and then manufactured and brought to um, frontline use so that and that's been a really big um, issue for lots of people around the world because there are many, many vested interests in saying we don't want to close borders, we don't want to lose our income, we don't want to be shut down, not understanding that um, it's worse. It would just far better to have gone for the, you know, the crude guillotine, if you like, at the um, border gates um, and really done so much more to preserve a community or an economy and its viability because you just had less illness I, f I feel like we could go on to this sort of tangent for quite some time that we're actually venturing into areas that we're probably uh, not experts ourselves in and, and spreading fear which we don't want to do given our main tenant of our podcast is to identify opportunities so uh, well, there's definitely there are definitely opportunities on the way um, for investors to start thinking about and that's that's one of the beauty about the markets is that where you see things happen first on the stock market 
you know, you see, you see the stock market's recent collapse is all about what's going to happen 12 months out. But at the same way, you'll see companies come along and say, hey, we've got something that we think. It'll be a startup, an IPO. It'll be a company that buys into technology and actually seeks some capital. That's all about, you know, addressing the new opportunities. And, you know, I've had some conversations recently about those. So um, you can, um, while there's disruption, there will absolutely be opportunity. And that's, it's great that we have a vibrant um, free market in Australia and a vibrant, you know, equity market where people can say, hey, let's get on with the business of, um, you know, finding new things, maybe making, you know, an at-risk investment. But the point is that it's got a lot of relevance to it. Okay. Well, let's start with the ground up then. So, obviously, the company that you might look for as an investor needs to have cash for one to two years and being adaptable to maybe changing their programs um, from an existing phase one, two. I mean, I can think of a company already that's, sort of put on hold their HIV and sort of going down the COVID path. What, what, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Not that, that? not that stock specifically, but just more broadly. Yeah. Uh, well, it could, it, look, it could be that um, here, here's a hypothetical situation. There might be some companies out there who have expertise in manufacturing what's called um, active ingredients or they, they know how to make um, the things that go into the finished product. And uh, it could be that the government in the next uh, six months says, we have to rebuild our capability. We can't do it ourselves. We have to commission companies to do it. We're going to provide contracts um, to build um, new infrastructure or to support existing infrastructure. And we want proposals for this because we want to have a capability and we have one of stockpile because we need stockpiles of basic medicines because one of the issues that's emerged is with the SARS-CoV-2 global pandemic is our incredible reliance on China for the basic ingredients that go into make drugs. Um, suddenly, medical product security is going to be, in my opinion, a huge issue. And if you think, you think of a very basic antibiotic and suddenly you don't have that, you can have an even worse health crisis on your hands if you can't get those stocks. And people think well, what the, the issue here is that people need to understand the idea of investing in capability. It's not about having, you know, a warehouse of drug stocks. It's about being able to know how to make it when you want it. And um, that's what I think is the big, um, one of the big opportunities that might emerge in the next few months. And what about vaccines and some of, I guess, the sort of earlier stage technologies? Well, they're, they're just months away. Despite what you might read, um, it's just the capability to, to um, get it going it takes a long lead time. Yeah, so with a view of time, David, we could, I'd love to talk about this for much longer because this is just fantastic. But um, what's, what would be your, your 10-bagger pick in line with what you've just mentioned? Uh, look, highly speculative, but if you wanted to look at uh, Biotron, BIT and IDT Australia, IDT, there are two ones that have really emerged on the radar this week. One's a manufacturing capability play, the other one is actually an anti-infective capability play. We hope you enjoyed that short part of the conversation we had with David and learned something from it. Keep an eye on your podcast feed for a future episode coming out very soon. 
In the full conversation, we have a much more detailed chat about all things biotech and life sciences and what to look for in a 10-bagger in that space. Thanks for listening and look forward to you tuning in again soon. Music in this episode is called 10 Minutes by Green Monday and from twinmusicom.org. Remember, the contents of this show is not financial advice. If you have questions or need more information about your own circumstances, make sure to contact a professional financial advisor.